Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the Arrow Helps Entrepreneurs Increase Visibility, Credibility, and Profitability. Today, we want to talk about a very hot topic that's on the mind of a lot of people. It's about the DNA of the entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial reality. And we have a special guest today with an experienced business uh, person uh, here, Thomas Dossman. Uh, Thomas, you want to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, I'm just Thomas Dossman. I'm a uh, business consultant. Got about 38 years in business. Uh, I've helped probably 27 people get started in business or decide not to get started in business. That's that's uh, outstanding. That's really a lot of uh, kind of interesting experience when it comes to uh, talking with people about whether or not to go into business. And there's a lot that uh, that I think people will be interested to uh, think about and, and speak about as entrepreneurial spirit is a very big sort of vogue thing at the moment. And, uh, you know, we're both uh, fairly active on uh, LinkedIn and, you know, on there, there's really a lot of talk about being an entrepreneur. And uh, in this case, thought it would be helpful today to, you know, to speak a little bit about what it takes to be an entrepreneur from some of your, you know, your, your vast experience and to kind of break that, break that down. So it may be helpful you know, thinking about becoming an entrepreneur and get a better idea of what type of preparation and mindset it takes. Exactly. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy to be with you and glad you brought me on board. Uh, one of the things I look for, Errol, is, is when I first started getting into consulting, I ran into a lot of people who had hired other consultants. And I kind of felt from an integrity standpoint that some people had taken their money uh, not really worried about whether this person was really an entrepreneur or not. And like you and I've discussed in the past, I think the reality comes in that people have to determine, are they an inventor? Are they an idea concept type of a person or are they a founder? And what okay. I mean by, what I mean by that is I've had guys who've come to me who were inventors. I mean, they were, they, they had some unique products to bring to the marketplace, but they weren't entrepreneurs. They, they really needed somebody else who could, take the product and run with it because they, they really just wanted to be in, in that back workroom or laboratory building stuff. They, they weren't really, didn't have the, as I say, the DNA to be a business owner. Uh, on the same token, you have people come up with great concepts and ideas as far as uh, businesses in the service arena. And they're, they're very good at coming up with all these concepts, but again, they just kind of lack that uh, ability to, you know, put boots to the ground and make it work. And the, the third one I, I like to talk about is being a founder. Now, a founder is somebody who can come up with a product or an idea. They, they have the wherefore-all to start a business as far as, you know, do I need to be incorporated? You know, who are the people, the places, and the processes I need to make this work? But they're not, for lack of a better term, they're not CEOs. They're all about founding the business but they're not about the day-to-day -day nuts and bolts and the grind of making it work. Um, and those are just some of the things I've run into through the years. And as I shared with you, those are some of the things I look for when I have an initial consult with somebody is I want to find out where they really are because I don't want to get into something with a contract where they're not in this to see it to the end. So I'm basically wasting a lot of my valuable time and I'm also wasting their time and their monies um, for something that's just never going to come to fruition. Okay. You know, that sounds like a pretty good breakdown. So, you know, for a lot of people that may be thinking about the, you know, 
the, I guess all of the, the uh, ideas that come to mind when people think about not necessarily working for somebody, uh, but actually creating something for themselves, what you've broken down here is, you know, really a couple of different mindsets people would be coming, coming from. And um, can you break that down one more time? So you mentioned that it would be, for example, a founder. Okay, you get, you, I'll start right from the beginning. You get the inventor, somebody who comes up with a product. You came up with a better mousetrap or a better widget. But okay. that's, your, that's your strength. I mean, you're all about creating something, not putting a business together. Uh, the idea or concept person is a lot like the inventor, only it's more in the service industry. Uh, you know, uh, coming up with the idea of, uh, like you have Grubhub, Grubhub and, and some of these other food delivery services. Somebody came up with that concept and that idea and they ran with it. You know, hey, you can call a restaurant, order your food, and we'll bring it to you. So, the re you know, it's kind of a third-party service type sure. of thing. And the founder is, is just that person who comes up, can take the great idea, and they can put some people together, but they just don't have the nuts and bolts to run it on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, sometimes uh, other People and I who have worked with, that's why I run a consulting group. Not everybody works for my for the company, but uh, I using the word group allows me to bring other people in, like yourself, an attorney, uh, marketing people who are far better at it than I am. Um, they just can't put all that together. And sometimes we jokingly refer to some of our founders. We had one guy who we referred to as, as Dory. Like the uh, movie, go you know, Finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah. Every time something else flashed, he ran off in that direction. And uh -huh. we had several meetings, and we finally got him successful. When I, I, we were having dinner with somebody who was ready to literally write a check, which is very old school by today's standards. And, and the guy started off on another tangent. I literally said, "Hey, hold on a second. I said, "I got an emergency call for you." And I literally ran him out of this country club dining room. I said, "Do me a favor. Shut up. The man's going to give you the money we need." We don't need any new ideas at the table tonight. And he was, he kind of looked at me somewhat offended. And he goes, you're doing this because it's for my betterment. I said, yeah, exactly that. I said, so shut up. Let's go in and get the check. And let's just concentrate on what he's willing to pay for. And uh, it, it took off quite well. Unfortunately, he uh, decided he didn't like that. And he got some people around him. And unfortunately, his business failed. But uh, we we have, we would jokingly refer to people like that as a Dory because every you know like oh what's that you know or who are you and just they need that guidance and like I said sometimes it comes down to just really taking stock of yourself and saying okay uh, doing this you know the old SWOT analysis only on a personal basis you know these are my strengths these are my weaknesses these are the opportunities that are available to me and here's where I'm a threat to myself. And uh, recognizing that, you know, hey, you might have a really great idea, but you may need to hire somebody else to be the CEO of that company and, and, to, and to take it to success. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we, we, none of us is an expert at everything. So if, if you have a strength that's in one area, but it's not running the company, then there's nothing wrong with looking at that and being aware of that when you're first coming out of the gate. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting. You've made me think about uh, there was, you know, more recently, I was coming across really a lot of information on uh, entrepreneurs. And one of the things that came up that reminded me, somebody actually, I think this was a post on LinkedIn, uh, where somebody said that there was an event that, you know, it cost $1,000 to, uh, to go to this event, and they were uh, speaking at the event. And 
there was, um, you know, it was full of entrepreneurs that were at that event and somebody had, you know, spent a thousand dollars to go to the event. They came up with a brand new idea in the middle, like the kind of the beginning of the event. And they ended up actually getting up and leaving from the, uh, from the event because they wanted to start working on that new idea immediately. And somebody made the comment that, Hey, you know what, that really relates so well to maybe some of the problems that plague a lot of the, you know, entrepreneurs that are uh, really just coming up all over the place now that they're maybe, you know, really infatuated with a particular idea and they're real, you know, kind of brilliant and thinking outside of the box and wanting to be excited to just go all in someplace. But as soon as something else comes up, um, they're off to the new to the new thing and they don't necessarily see it through uh, to where uh, they are able to kind of see that that vision through. Um, so that, uh, I don't know, it made me think about that, uh, that, that example. Yeah. I mean, that, that's it. Exactly. Uh, I just got done consulting with a young lady who just, uh, a matter of fact, she sent me yet another text message today telling me she got another EIN number for another great business idea she has. But the problem is she has 15 of these and nothing has ever come. Nothing's been funded. Nothing's come to fruition. But as, as I said, she's, uh, you know, she's a Dory. Uh, moving on, if you don't mind, uh, some of the things I look at is people, everybody seems to be excited about wanting to work for themselves. But there's a couple questions I have people ask themselves um, when they say, hey, I want to work for myself. I think that'd really be great. And some of the five questions I came up with is, number one is, do you like paychecks every Friday? Uh, number two is, do you like your personal paid time off? Uh, do you like having a two-week paid vacation? Um, do you like the ability to shut down and walk away from the desk at the end of the workday and just go home? And then the other side of it is, is you know, how do you feel about 40-hour work weeks? Which I, I know you understand those five things aren't true for an entrepreneur. Sure. This, this is all hands on deck. This is 24-7. And, you know, you and I have several times discussed about the management of our time with family and everything else. And, and that leads to once you've resolved in your mind that those five questions are, those aren't really important in my life. You know, I, I don't have to have those things. I know they can eventually come back around, but to get this off the ground, I have to put those things to the side. Uh, one of the conversations you and I have had is about that significant other in your life, your family. Are they a hundred percent behind this? Because starting a business is stressful enough and has, has enough challenges that you don't have to have challenges in your relationships at the exact same times. That doesn't mean there's not going to be times where that's significant. Other may say like, you know, why in God's name did we do this? And you can sit down and have the conversation. Um, but they, they have to be behind you 100%. Yeah, that's you know? pretty, that, that's super interesting. I'm so glad that you brought that up. There's uh, another uh, pretty large influencer on LinkedIn uh, that is out of Canada, uh, Menu uh, Goswami, and he's a TEDx speaker, top 20, under 20 in Canada, young entrepreneurs. And he actually just uh, had a, a small interview with that he did with Alan Gannett, who's also fairly big on LinkedIn. And they came away with three, uh, three sort of uh, focuses. And this seems to be one of the focuses they left out. And I wonder if it's just because of the age that uh, younger entrepreneurs may not pay, be putting in perspective. The main things that they kind of took away was that 
when you're thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, things you might want to keep in mind are really what the revenue potential is from day one. Correct. The preparation and planning that goes into it. Uh, and mental fortitude. And I think probably a lot of people would say that the mental fortitude is like the main thing, uh, as well as some of the preparation and some of the planning. But the one thing a lot of younger entrepreneurs may not keep in mind is this whole family aspect. They may not necessarily care as much because they don't have the responsibilities. Uh, But it's a really big thing that takes some level of maturity to kind of really grasp it. And maybe until you're actually in it, you would have a tough time understanding it. Yeah, I mean, it, stealing from Hemingway, no man is an island. Uh, even if, it, you know, the term family can be so generic, like, you know, I noticed I used the term significant other. I mean, you've got to have, you know, the family you come from, uh, your friends. You have to have a support system because at the end of the day, you know, when you when you sit down to have your dinner, there's got to be somebody there that you can bounce this off of or somebody, you know, to help you lick your wounds when things haven't gone to quite right, because you can't do this all by yourself. There, there will be other people involved. Um, and just about every great thing that has come along in life. I mean, like Thomas Edison and in, inventing the telephone, uh, you know, Mr. Watson was there, you know, that was his, that was his assistant. You know, and Mrs. Edison used to bring his dinner to him out to his laboratory and workshop, you know. And so evidently, you know, that woman was 100% behind him. Watson was right there behind him when everybody else was making fun of it. Those two people were right there by his side watching this thing come to fruition. Um, And I think you're right. Some of the younger entrepreneurs miss that because I think they get caught up in the hype and the excitement of I don't have to do what my dad and my mom did. I don't have to punch a clock. I, I don't have to dress a particular way. So um, I think you're right. They, they miss that. Well, very good. Well, you know what, uh, Thomas, I think we have probably some other areas that we could go into that would be really helpful. I know that as we we're kind of speaking about doing the podcast, you had some additional thoughts on, you know, really so uh, once all of that might be okay and you're good to kind of move forward, a couple of other things to keep in mind. We're running a little bit short for time, and I wonder maybe that's uh, you know something that we could take up in a future uh, podcast as a, as a part two to this. Definitely. Part two, part three, part four. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll let it go on. So I guess as a mini trailer for, for next time, we can talk a little bit about you know, really, you know, if you do fail, what you have to fall back on and really what the acumen is and the difference between sort of working for somebody else's business and actually taking it on as your business. And I think. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Arrow Helps Entrepreneurs Increase invi- <laughs> increase Their Visibility, Credibility and Profitability. We're continuing our conversation here with Thomas Dossman about the DNA of entrepreneurship. And Thomas, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself to people that may have not heard the last episode? Yeah, I'm just Thomas Dossman, a business consultant. I've been in business for over 28 years, and I've helped several uh, people decide to either be an entrepreneur and go into business and do it successfully or make the decision that entrepreneurship really wasn't what they wanted to do. Great. And just a quick recap. So from the last episode, from part one of this conversation, we kind of broke things down to say that you know, really with entrepreneurs, you're going to either have a founder, a concept person, or an inventor. 
and we walk through some of the things that would either, you know, really kind of prevent somebody from being successful and maybe even really just kind of thinking through the process of becoming an entrepreneur. And where we got to is really to the point where, you know, what would happen if you were to attempt, you know, to have your entrepreneurial endeavor and fail at that point, what's the thought process? And uh, so from there, you know, we had uh, a couple uh, things that sort of came up, but so Thomas, if somebody, you know, was to fail, what's the thought process from there for the entrepreneur or the prospective entrepreneur? Well, for a prospective entrepreneur, I mean, failure is just not an option. It's like I said in the first cast, uh, I, I have a lot of integrity and I've seen people come to me that had hired other consultants who were in it for the money. And they definitely, four or five of them were people who did not belong in the entrepreneur business. Uh, you had sent me a video that I had watched where a, a young entrepreneur was talking to people about, hey, you know, just go out there and give it a try because if it doesn't work, you know, even if you're 28, 30 years old, you can always go back to school. And one of the things I look for in an entrepreneur is, is a passion. And the quickest, easiest way for me to determine your true passion is to ask the question is, once you start this, if it fails, what is your fallback? And I have a lot of meetings with people who tell me what their fallback plan is. And that's when I just, after a few more minutes of discussion, I make the decision whether or not I want to work with them or not. Because if, if they're not truly passionate to see this through, regardless, then it's a waste of my time. And I feel I'm stealing their money because they have a fallback. And uh, a good example is, is uh, several a couple years ago or so, uh, I like to watch the Shark Tank. And uh, there's a young man on there had a really unique product and a concept. And he got down to Mark Cuban and Damon John. And mm -hmm. Mark Cuban kind of smelled him out. You know, the shark smelled the blood in the water. And he goes, well, with all this money, how much do you need to make? And the young man said, well, you know, I deserve a six-figure income. And Damon John chimed in with, dude, then I'm out. Because I'm looking for the guy that wants to eat macaroni and cheese and ramen every night of the week. And it's going to be hungry to get this done until I get my money back. Then the guy turned to uh, Mark Cuban, who also said, well, you're not hungry enough, and I'm out. And th that's what entrepreneurship is all about, is you, you have to have enough faith in yourself and the belief that I have. if this fails, it can't, because I have nothing else to fall back on. Uh, I've dealt with several people who had very high-paying jobs, but because of those high-paying jobs, they weren't hungry enough. And I very quickly kind of pulled out and said, you know, I'm not into this. And, and to a person, they've all told me, well, you know, you'll regret this down the road. And here I am, you know, 10 years down the road, and I have yet to see their companies hit the market yet because they're comfortable. They're not hungry. And as an entrepreneur, you, you have to be hungry. Uh, you, you have to – this has to be pull all the stops. Um I liked your comment about burning the boat, burning the boats. <laughs> I love that. Burn the boats. You have no other option. You go to the beach and you're going to take the beach and you burn all the boats. There's no retreat. There's no way to leave. You have to advance and you, you have to move forward. You have to conquer and you got to have that mentality. There's just something different about that mentality of just burning the boats. Uh, if you really see that, Hey, you can move back or you can retreat. You know, there's just something different that, goes through your mind that just doesn't get you to push past that point of fear or pain and make you step back 
Well, and then the other side too is, is, is you can't look at anything as being the impossible. You and I have had conversations where I looked at you one time over the phone and said, you know, what, what's the definition of no? And you knew there was something else there. And well, it means, you know, it's done. I don't want to go forward. I said, no, no means next opportunity. So as an entrepreneur, when somebody tells you no, it's just, it's just next opportunity. And I, I've been in sales long enough in my life that when people told me no, good, I'm, I'm moving on to the next one. Uh, a story I like to tell is I was selling one time. This lady kept telling me no. And I interceded with one of the salespeople working for me. I said, well, obviously this isn't for you. So, you know, ha- have, a, have a nice time here in Las Vegas. And, uh, you, know, you know, good luck and you know, safe travels. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, obviously it's not for you. So I said, I pulled the pad of paper back and the pen away from her. I said, you know, so this isn't for you. So I said, I'm not, I'm not going to waste, you know, I'm not going to waste your time. There's no reason for you to even sign up. There's really nothing else for us to discuss because obviously this isn't for you. After about two or three minutes, the lady grabbed the pad, the pen, and she goes, you can't tell me that I can't do this. <laughs> and she filled out the paperwork and ended up buying. It was for a timeshare company. She ended up buying and she came back and she goes, you're good. But it was, it was sometimes you got to have a, a psychology about it where when someone tells me, no, okay, fine, bye. You know, not, not a problem. You know, next opportunity. Uh, when you, you talked about burning the boats, I, I remember the story someone told me about Alexander the Great, uh, great, statistic, great strategist, decided that in order to beat this one kingdom, he needed to climb up this sheer cliff and come in from behind. And everybody said, well, it can't be done, can't be done. Well, they eventually got ropes to the top somehow. And the guy, soldiers kept trying to climb, and they'd slide back to, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, it's impossible. Nobody can climb this cliff. So Alexander the Great told everybody, okay, let's, let's just sleep on this. And during the night, he told his generals to make sure that all the ropes were soaked in pitch because it'll give the soldiers a better grip. Okay, fine, we'll do that. And the next morning, they went out there, and the first soldier started to climb up. He got about halfway up and started to, oh, yeah, this is just impossible. It can't be done. And with that, Alexander the Great grabbed the torch and lit the, snow, the uh, rope on fire. The soldier had no choice. There was no, there was no retreat. It was fall and die or get to the top. He got to the top. And That's the rest good. of his army got to the top. I don't know if fear was Alexander some our ropes on fire or not, but it, it was proven a point that when there's no avenue of retreat, you have no choice but to go forward. Yeah, and, and yeah. sometimes going forward isn't on the same road. You know, you're, you're going forward, and if the road's blocked, instead of giving up and, oh, I'll just go back and do what I, I was doing before, you, you've got to find a path to the side, another road to the side, a detour around what's blocking you, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I almost I almost think that, too, part of that is you, you have that mindset where you're going to plan as best as you can, you know, and some people are more effective at this than others. You're going to have tried to pull together as many resources as you can. And there's just a one point where you take a step and you're going to you're going to move, but strategically, but ultimately it's going to fall back on, um, you know, there's just, you know, just like you're on the battlefield. You know, there's just something you have to you have to move forward. It takes a certain mindset to get somebody to just to just go. Um, And in this case, uh, just that mindset is uh is something that uh, has to has to be there and if you have those options for retreat it's just really going to uh hinder you from being able to move forward well i mean one of the things i really like is is uh i'm a good student of history and i like uh general george Patton was asked one time how he got the american soldiers to do what the american soldiers did i mean because you know up for 
three, four or five days at a time without sleeps, you know, improper clothing and cold weather, not enough food. And they did it. And Alexander and uh, George Patton's answer was, he goes, well, because I want you all to remember back when you're 18 years old, you went to the high school dance. And he goes, and you danced all night long. He goes, that's because your mind told you that that girl was pretty. I'm going to dance all night long. He goes, and that's why I tell my soldiers, I tell my soldiers, don't let the body tell the mind what to do. You, the mind tells the body what it's going to do. And, and that's the same thing, in essence, what we're talking about with entrepreneurs. Your mindset has to tell the rest of you what to do. So no matter how tired you get, no matter how discouraged you get, the mind says keep moving forward. And part of that leads us into another thing I always like to remind people of is just because you are a successful manager, director, vice president, of another person's company doesn't mean you're an entrepreneur because managing and running a business for somebody else is totally different than running your own business. Yeah. Now that may be something that for a lot of, a lot of people that might be listening and that have been in business, I guess, successfully as a manager, you know, or kind of running somebody else's business or just or thinking about it. Maybe even they don't have a lot of experience yet in working in business, but just really thinking of creating a business may not really understand. Can you kind of differentiate and, and break down some of the differences between sort of running somebody else's business and essentially being the boss? What is the real acumen of, um, you know, required to sort of run your own business? Being responsible for absolutely everything. Because when I've worked and managed for other people, and although I may have had a myriad of, a myriad of responsibilities, um, I still wasn't responsible for absolutely everything. Uh, but when you're an entrepreneur, this this is your baby. I mean, th th this is all on you. If it, you know, you're the one that has to get up in the morning and make it work. You're the one that has to stay up late into the night and make it work. And there's really nobody else to fall back on. And when you're managing for someone else, yeah, there can be that sense that you're responsible, but there's always somebody above you who can if, can pick up the pieces and help you get there. But when you're an entrepreneur, this is all on you. I mean, there's just, you know, you can build a team around yourself, but ultimately you're the guy who's responsible for the business. Um, a little story I like to tell is in working for myself, somebody said to a family member one time, it must be nice that he can just kind of come and go and, you know, come to a school function and see this and something else. And what my wife learned would be able to tell you is this. Yeah, that's really great that he took 30 minutes out of his day and came to the school and saw the little choir performance or the, or the sporting event or something like that. But what the other people didn't see were, was the fact that I didn't get home till 10, 30, 11 o'clock, midnight. One o'clock in the morning, I was up at three, four o'clock in the morning to go out to make sure everything was okay because I, I ran a construction company. So, you know, some of it looks really good on the outside, but those are the things you don't see when you manage for somebody else. When it's yours, every dollar you're responsible for, every penny you're responsible for. So you're, you're the one who makes it work. And a lot of times when you're managing for somebody else, you've missed that part of the business. Because you're coming in when everything is good and all the mistakes have been made and, and everything's been corrected and we have processes and we have procedures of how we do things. Um, mm -hmm. But you miss that because every, every business in the world started up as a, as a startup. 
I mean, you know, IBM didn't just suddenly appear on the map one day as a uh, major, you know, copy machine company, computer company. I mean, they started out as, as the American typewriter company. And all they did is typewriters. But, you know, sometimes when you're working for other people, we forget that that business started the exact same place, the business you want to start started. So, you know, all the process, like I said, the policies, the procedures the, are all there. So all should be is following them. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're the guy writing that book that someday somebody else will be following. And you'll sit back and laugh by saying, oh, they, they don't understand the struggle. They don't understand the blood, sweat, and tears because they're coming in when all that's done. Yeah, that, that reminds me, some of, as you know, I think uh, so I'm a really big fan of Tony Robbins and also uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And so I um, remember something that Tony Robbins said that really stood out to me and that it's, you know, the success that we experience, it's directly related and indexed to the amount of uncertainty that we can live with and we can manage. Uh, and so that, in addition to hearing, you know, Gary, Gary V speaking so much about really saying that what he does every single day is he puts out fires. He's just a problem solver putting out fires. And so as I think about, you know, entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur, you know, those things seem to really relate there. And, you know, I, I myself think I have some of that entrepreneurial spirit in myself and I'm, I'm a very big fan of really failing to success and trying to push things as far as possible failing, but then putting the pieces together and figuring out how to move forward. And uh, I think those all really, you know, relate to the DNA of, of exactly. an entrepreneur. As, as taking a chapter out of Gary's book, guess what? When you're an entrepreneur, all the fires are yours. Absolutely. Well, Thomas, you know, really appreciate the time today. I think we got into some good things that will uh, be able to, you know, help other people that are prospective entrepreneurs or in it. Uh, what came up today, I think, in this in this conversation, maybe there might be some opportunity for us to speak a little bit more about sales, overcoming objections, and just really being successful in sales. Maybe we can continue that conversation. Later.